Choice is before us. Life and prosperity, or death and adversity. This decision seems like a simple one, but sometimes it's easier for choose life to come across as a catchy slogan than a real decision that we can choose to accept or not. As humans, we are faced with life and death options every day. Some of these are in our daily decision-making, making the decision to eat healthier foods or to put the phone down when we drive. But we have life-or-death decisions to make in our relational choices, too. We have choices about how we interact with people and how we build respect and trust. In our friendships, families, and work environments, each day we have the opportunity to either build one another up or tear each other down. The culmination of these actions and relationships make up our lives. These choices exist on both an individual and a societal level. We are currently, as we mentioned, um, in the middle of a series on race in partnership with Shorter Chapel AME Church and the local Baha'i community. During this series, we've talked about the importance of talking about issues of race and the call that we have as a church to confront racism and prejudice when we are faced with it. To choose life, we must choose not only to lift up our own lives, but to also support and encourage the living and flourishing of those around us, particularly those who have been oppressed. The choice that we are given in today's scripture comes from the word bahar, which means to choose. Usually God is the one who is doing the choosing. There are very few places in the Old Testament where humans are the subject of bahar. This time, we are the actors. And God sets before us our options. If we love God, walk in God's ways, and keep God's commandments— then God will bless us where we are. If we are led astray, worship idols, and prioritize worldly needs over the call to love God and love neighbor, we will not flourish, but will perish from the life that God offers as a choice to us. We believe that in life and in death, we belong to God. So whether we make choices that are life-giving or death-dealing, God has already chosen us, and we cannot be separated from God. Pastor Doug Bratt comments, it's important to recognize that this call to choose comes in the context of God's having already redeemed God's Israelite people. God has already graciously given them life. So in a sense, God invites them to respond to God's choosing and redeeming work in in, in Israel's life by leaning into that life, by fully receiving the life God has already given her. God is offering us new life in God, a life that is filled with blessings and with hope. God is not going to leave us if we choose death and adversity. That's the important part of remembering that in both life and death, we belong to God. God is not offering us a system of rewards and punishments that judge the merits of our faith. God chooses us over and over again. We 
have the opportunity to respond. When we choose life and prosperity for both ourselves and for others, we make space for God to work in us in ways that wouldn't be possible otherwise. We're surrounded by options that we could choose other than God. And I don't believe that God is so concerned about some of our daily choices that don't directly benefit or impact our health or the health or livelihood of others. God is concerned about who or what we choose to worship and if we create idols out of worldly beings. Ralph Waldo Emerson writes, that which dominates our imaginations and our thoughts will determine our life and our character. Therefore, it behooves us to be careful what we worship, for what we are worshiping, we are becoming. How do we know what choices are for life and which ones are not about life or death? Life-giving decisions make our world better and invest in our relationship with God. Death-dealing decisions hurt us and those around us while distancing us from God's love. Sometimes, though, it seems that we are confronted with death-dealing situations no matter how hard we try to avoid them. We fight with our loved ones, fail in our relationships, break promises, and forget what we are even fighting for. We see a society torn apart because of differences, throwing insults and snide comments each other's ways, and failing to look for the good in one another. How do we choose a life? Uh, how do we choose life and prosperity in our relationships when we are caught in a cycle of death? We have to recognize and admit when we are judging or falling short or our tempers are quickened. Breaking cycles is not easy, whether it's on an individual or a societal level. But we see that with vulnerability, courage, and commitment, we can make a change for life. God gives us the law and the commandments to guide us as we go through the messy parts of life. God recognizes that while you may know thou shalt not murder, there may still be times when you feel like metaphorically killing someone. Or while you firmly believe when God tells us thou shalt not covet your neighbor's home or spouse or belongings, you still get jealous when you see a picture of someone's new house on social media. We have been learning the past few Sundays about the law and how God has set before us rules and guidelines for living well together. As Chris reminded us last week, the law is meant to guide us toward human flourishing in love, truth, peace, and justice. The laws God sets before us are not arbitrary rules that are the red tape to heaven. When we are told to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. It is with the intention that by making the choice to follow these, we will draw closer to God and to one another. On our recent mission trip to Lebanon, we visited schools and education programs that are run by the church there. These programs are intended to help Syrian and Palestinian refugees continue their education and learn job skills that can help them support their families. The sites are incredible, filled both with young people who are seeking education 
and also adults who are learning trades such as sewing and hairstyling. Refugees across the world decide on a daily basis to choose life in the face of death and adversity. When faced with a death-dealing situation for themselves and their families, millions of people have uprooted everything in hopes of a chance at life somewhere else. When they arrive in Lebanon, the refugees and the Lebanese people have to work together to find something new. This does not always look pretty. Sometimes it looks like agriculture training centers that grow fresh vegetables and honey and make the best tabbouleh that you have ever had. And sometimes it looks like Palestinians who have been living in camps for over 70 years and whose buildings have been built up and up, leaning together to effectively block out the sun in their community. Sometimes this new life is the Lebanese government refusing to acknowledge people's refugee status legally, limiting their options for assistance. But at its best, this new life is the church insisting on treating each person with dignity and respect and believing in the inherent right everyone has to an education. The church has an opportunity to listen and to respond in this day and age. We have a responsibility to help one another hear God, calling out the false gods of fear, racism, sexism, and consumerism that often pull for our attention. We live in a world that is full of things, and it is difficult to suss out what is most important and what needs to be laid away. We can help each other with this. Make a practice in your family to ask yourselves, do I need this? What impact does this action have on others? Where do I see God in this? We might find that these answers to these questions help us live more fruitful lives that are centered on our faith. These conversations can feel scary or intimidating, especially if they mean calling out societal isms that allow prejudice to run deep. We remember, though, that we are not alone in this call. With each choice that we make to choose life over death and to fight for prosperity for all, we pull a stone out of the foundation based on worldly needs and put confidence in Christ as our cornerstone. Choosing life is not about trying to be perfect. It means choosing vulnerability, risking yourself and your comfort for something that could be greater than you imagined. God is asking us to imagine the possibilities of what our world could look like, to dream about our relationships with one another and with God, to risk being hurt or rejected, knowing that the walls we build around ourselves can keep us safe, but also keep others out. When we say that we are called to life, we recognize that God is alive in our midst. The Holy Spirit is at work among us, 
inviting us to join in on the beauty and the joy that is a life in God. Poetry is a love of mine, and when I come across a poem that is meaningful to me, I save it in a folder on my email. And so as I was reading the scripture, I was reminded of a poem by Marianne Radmacher that I saved a while back that I wanted to share with you. She writes, Live with intention. Walk to the edge. Listen hard. Practice wellness. Play with abandon. Laugh. Choose with no regret. Appreciate your friends. Continue to learn. Do what you love. Live as if this is all there is. So let us choose life. Choose generosity, hope, patience, love, forgiveness, gratitude, and grace. Remember that in Christ, God has chosen and continues to choose and will always choose us. May we respond with a choice of our own, life and prosperity for all God's creation. Amen.